sports science, strength and conditioning, high performance coaching. Welcome to the Decoding Excellence Show. Hey everybody, it's your host Adam Ringler and today for this episode, rather than advertising for some sport performance technology company about whatever latest gizmo that they may have, I wanna remind you of two things. Number one, I have a monthly newsletter that goes out chocked full of great research articles, interesting tidbits, quotes, books I'm reading, things I'm finding fascinating. It is essentially the birch box of newsletters. You don't know exactly what you're gonna get week to week, month to month, but what you can guarantee is that it's going to be chock full of good things. Head over to adamringler.com forward slash newsletter. Pop in your email and sign up today. You will not regret it. And I won't spam you with 8 million different uh, emails You know, every week, every day, every month. So check it out, adamringler.com forward slash newsletter. Secondly... I get emails and messages every single publication talking about how can we support the Decoding Excellence show and the mission that you're bringing to us. And the easiest way is buy me a coffee. No, don't actually physically buy me a coffee. Head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Adam Ringler. And there you can find in an easy donation way. You can pop in your uh, your information and you can essentially buy the show a coffee, a $5 latte, if you will. And what we'll do with that is those proceeds from that donation will go immediately into the hosting fees for both the website and the Decoding Excellence show. So we can continue to bring this show to you via iTunes, Spotify, whatever podcast player of your choice. So check it out, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Adam Ringler. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Decoding Excellence Show. Today is going to be a little bit different. Today, I'm going to turn the questions around and ask them to myself. And what I'm going to do is I like to ask my guests on the Decoding Excellence Show a series of about 11 questions that cuts right to how they got into coaching, why they pursued this journey, and what have they learned throughout their coaching journey. And uh, in the some 27 shows or so that we've recorded, there's a series of similarities across uh, the, the guests' answers. And today, what I want to do is ask myself some of the most popular questions that I typically ask my guests. So I thought it'd be fun to uh, to turn it around and see, you know, what my responses might be if somebody were to ask these questions to me. So I hope that in it, when I uh, pose these questions to myself, that in the moment that I have some nice, fun, authentic answers and they best represent the 2018, 2019 version of where my mind is at and what, uh, where, uh, where my personality and, and habits and where my professional journey has gone. So without further ado, here is the questions I asked my guests answered by myself. What is the book or books you've given most as a gift? And why? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, I don't think I give books as a gift too often to people. Um, I probably gift more audiobooks or ebooks than I do physical books. But of the few books that I've actually given to people, 
uh, around the holidays or just if I think that they actually need it is probably Meditations. I think it's a phenomenal book that is true today as it was true uh, hundreds of years ago. So I think that's a phenomenal book. And if you were just to change some of the names around and make them more modern day uh, names, that the advice would still ring true. Um, But that's a book that I think uh, a lot of people should read. And, you know, I've gone through it probably about eight times, Um, probably want to, I I literally have it in my bag at all times. So if I'm in a commute or I'm stopped somewhere rather than thumbing through my phone, uh, I like to whip out that book and read a couple passages and pages. Um, There's also many different editions of it. You can obviously get the the true... um, book off of amazon.com, right? But there's some different compilations of it. So I think my favorite version of uh, Marcus's writing is called The Emperor's Handbook. And that was uh, a new translation of the meditations. And it was wrote by Scott Hicks and David Hicks. And for some reason, it's just a nice little concise version of of meditations. So um, definitely check it out. It's one of my most given away or gifted books, The Emperor's Handbook, uh, that latest translation of, uh, of Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. So check it out. What are the one to three books that have greatly influenced your life? I think there's been a number of books that have been influential in my uh, life. And that's one of the things I, I love reading and uh, helps fill the time. But um, just off the bat, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, I think that was a, a great read that sort of gave me sort of an introductory look, at least conceptually, to uh, mindfulness and, uh, and Zen meditation. Uh, the book Mindfulness, A practice, Practical Guide to Awakening, was uh, something that I really liked and I think, again, resonated with me. If I were to go through all of the books, I think it would be uh, it'd probably be boring <laughs> for you guys, but um, those are the two that probably jump out immediately uh, off the top of my mind. Team of Teams uh, by Stanley McChrystal. I think that's an amazing book. Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek was uh, a part of um, really changed some of my leadership beliefs. Ryan Holiday always produces really great content. Uh, so his book, The Obstacle is the Way, Ego is the Enemy, those were two books that I think I needed at a particular point in my life. Uh, Greg Greg McNone wrote Essentialism, which I think goes back to a little bit more of that um, Zen Buddhism um, sort of mindfulness beliefs as far as rather than trying to pursue more things in life to really sort of whittle things down to what are the most essential things. Um, So that was a book that came at another period of my life that I think was really uh, important for me. Um, man, there's just, there's probably way too many books to, to give them all, um, credit. Obviously, uh, Tim Ferriss wrote a number of books that I really enjoyed. Um, the four hour chef was a great sort of, uh, book that discussed learning and teaching. And so much of what we do as coaches is about teaching people. And I, I really liked that book and thought it resonated with me. Um, if I was just, I'm trying to think of what my most commonly read, uh, 
books were. Um, the Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Uh, Patrick wrote a, a number of great books. I think the, the Heath brothers are, again, uh, authors that if they would continue to pump out books, I will continue to buy them. They will have a lifelong fan in me, so I'll continue to read those books. Um, Walter Isaacson is a phenomenal biographer. I love reading his books, but man, I, I've listed like 35 million books at this point in time, but I like to read wide and, and read deep. Um, so those are just a number of books, but if I were to really go back and try to whittle it down, most of my books are about meditation and about, I guess, Zen Buddhism, if you will. So those are the things that really stick out in my mind as far as, far as trying to uh, read resources that can continue to convince me to, um, you know, focus on personal growth and, and uh, personal well-being rather than materialism and um, things like that. What purchase of $100 or less have most positively impacted your life in the last, say, six months? I'm going to cheat on this answer because this is a purchase that predates the last six months. But one of the things I purchased a long time ago that I think is continuing to pay dividends is Headspace.com or Headspace app. They have a uh, subscription that is, I think right now, currently 40% off. I think if you're a college student enrolled in classes, you can get it annually for $9, but it's a meditation app. I talked about it on the show quite a bit frequently in the last 27 or so episodes, but um, if you are a rookie or a novice in guided meditation, this is a phenomenal app that I think will, will really help guide your journey. It was what sort of gave me my first foray into guided meditation, my own meditative practice. Uh, but in addition to that, Right, I've sort of moved on since there. Kevin Rose uh, from obviously Silicon Valley and and probably best known for his startup uh, Dig back in the you know early internet era, but he has a app called Oak Meditation, which I have now sort of moved over to full time, and uh, I use that as a application for my guided meditation. Both are phenomenal apps, but. That is what I would certainly recommend and was a uh, probably the most resounding and um, impactful purchase that I've made. Um, and, you know, I'll cheat because I can do that on my show and uh, I make the rules. So doesn't uh, didn't happen to fall in the first uh, or the last six months, but is definitely an impactful decision. How has a failure or an apparent failure set you up for later success? You know, I could think of a couple different failures um, that probably really was an important part of my um, part of my journey into coaching. And one of which was, you know, very early in my coaching career, I had an opportunity to potentially go to another university um, as a, you know, full-time strength conditioning coach for a specific program and went there and I interviewed for it and it sounded like everything was going to go great. And what I later sort of understood about it was that I, I don't think I was ready for it, um, for the pressures of it. You know, I just started sort of my first coaching position. I was sort of learning the trade, if you will. And uh, and this was a big time program that I was looking to, uh, to join. And truth be told, you know, I'm now looking back on it, you know, obviously hindsight is 2020. 
I don't think I would have been a great fit there. And I also think that I wouldn't have had a lot of success there and it would have been a colossal failure on my part. So, you know, what I, what ultimately happened was that, you know, I went there and I actually, you know, didn't via a couple number of channels, I, I didn't get the offer and I thought it was a sure thing. I thought I would. And I thought that was a huge failure. Um, and I, you know, there was probably a period of time immediately afterwards, I was probably depressed about not getting that particular offer, um, at that institution or that organization. And, um, it was probably devastating because it was a, it was a sure hit. It was a sure thing, I think. And now looking back on it, it would have absolutely been a failure. And I am so grateful that I didn't get it and that it wasn't, a presented opportunity because I know my young self, I would have absolutely took the position immediately without hesitation and watching from afar. I remember, you know, the, the years that passed and watching the organization and watching that position and watch what it materialized into and turned into that it, it, it wasn't the right fit for me. It wasn't the right fit for the skills that I had, but it also wasn't a right fit for where I was at within my own career trajectory. I think, you know, I would have been like Icarus flying too close to the sun and, uh, and ultimately burning my wings and crashing, um, to my death. So I am so fortunate. I didn't, didn't have the opportunity to do it. And it was a blessing in disguise. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, metaphorically speaking, getting a message out to millions or billions of people, what would it say and why? I think it would be something to the message of that we just overvalue the opinions that other people give to ourselves. And I think the moment that personally that I, I leaned into who I am as a person, the authentic me, and rather than trying to portray who I thought other people would want me to be, that was a moment that, you know, that sort of self-actualization and awareness uh, really, really came in. So that would be my message is just uh, stop caring about what other people think of you. And really, the most important opinion you could have of yourself should be generated by yourself and by you. And certainly, you know, social media is, is not the... Uh, not uh, complicit in sort of uh, portraying that and sort of influencing that uh, mentality that we all share. So I don't know, I'd say get off social media, quit socials, and really focus on improving yourself and being yourself and stop caring so much what other people say. Most of the time, it's just noise and uh, doesn't actually really help you. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? You know, when I hear the word investment, I think of something that might have some sort of financial or experiential reward attached to it, right? And that's the difference between cost and, you know, spending money or investing money. So, you know, the best investment that I have had in the last six to 12 months, if not further, um, and again, this is sort of a cop-out answer, I'll predate it than the the time parameters. But the best investment that I've had is my children, I think. Um, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is that, you know, they are <laughs> financially very expensive to raise and to have children. But 
the moments and the paradigm shift that you have as a parent, the moments you have with your child, the experience you have to raise them, to watch them, to cultivate their growth, to be a part of their life is a uh, experience that um, it's the very best that I could possibly have. So uh, honestly, more so than any book that I've read or a workshop that I've gone to or things that I've purchased, the best investment that I've ever had was having you know, my daughter, Breslin, and my, uh, my son, Bear, uh, come into our lives. And that is an investment that I would continue to make over and over and over again. And as, as you ask any parent, um, I think any parent would answer uh, the same way. The investment that they've made into raising their child's life and their uh, child and trying to provide for them, that is certainly the uh, best investment I've ever made. What is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? So this is another tough question, but I uh, unusual habit that I have, I, I took it up after I first heard about this individual, Ryan Carroll, who discussed bullet journaling. And that has been something that I've continued to do probably for the last five years is to bullet journal. And I say it's unusual because... Not many people write down everything they do during a day. And while I don't necessarily always write down exactly what I do, uh, I do make bullet point notes, hence the bullet part of the the name, bullet journal. And uh, I sort of document my life, if you will. So I have uh, a number of different books, right? Moleskins that's gone back from all the way back to 2015, 2014, that are has various different uh, data entries, much like a, uh, a, a an analog version of a calendar. So I could very quickly, I, mean, I just grabbed one that is on my desk and um, I'm going to go back and look at, uh, you know, October 4th, which happens to be my birthday, October 4th, 2017 or 16. And I was looking at APA, APE Systems out of Austin, Texas, right? And I could go through and and look at a number of these and just scan and look and select a different day. What did I do on November 3rd? Well, I was looking at LA Galaxy's apprenticeship program and uh, researching the Seattle Sports Science Conference. So, you know, it's interesting. If I were to ask you right now, what did you do November 27th in 2014? Not many people would have an answer, Um, but it's interesting to... uh, to document your day. And it also, I think just the analog version of putting pen to paper really makes you uh, consider the the precise time that you have in a given day. And I found that it's a worthwhile exercise of writing down my day, uh, migrating uh, things from year to year over that I find necessary. And it gives me a sort of a reflection period of time to say, what do I want to do differently in my next uh, calendar year? So every single calendar year, I get a new journal, and I begin the process of bullet journaling in that new uh, moleskin or journal. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved or impacted your life? Man, I, I ask some really challenging questions to my 
uh, guest members on the Decoding Excellence show. Uh, when I turn the microphone around, it is challenging for myself to answer these. And I think that's maybe the reason why I ask them is because I'm looking for a bit of wisdom from them as well. When I think about some of the things that I'm trying to do, one of the things, I guess, new habits or beliefs, if you will, that I really try to do is when I'm challenged with a tough decision, I really try to think about the noble eightfold path. And I have this as a default screensaver on my phone. And uh, I look at it and when I have a question I, you know, or a decision I need to make, I often think, does this align with that path? So the, the, the eight folds, if you will, that the path, if you will, right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. So while it seems daunting to, uh, to think of these things, I often just think, like, does this, whatever I'm being asked to do or this decision I have, is it made in the right view? Am I viewing it in a correct way, and in a rightful way, in a way that's noble? Am I, do I have the right intention behind this? Like, is it going to be carried out with good intentions, whatever it might be, you know, or decision I have to make? Can I approach it with the right speech? Am I speaking uh, of it in a very neutral or positive way? Do I need to have a negative connotation to it? Will I carry it out with the right action? Will I actually act upon those and, and do things in a right and just way? Is the decision or my actions that I'm going to carry forward, does it align with the right livelihood? Does it bring suffering upon other people? Um, or is it carried out in a way that's really going to help and benefit mankind or the uh, humanity in some respects? Does it have the right effort to it? Am I concentrating on giving the right effort? Um, and that's something I often think about sometimes when I have to make that decision or answer something. Uh, my right mindfulness, am I uh, putting in my mental state, is my emotional and mental capabilities and state in the right area or in a just area? Am I doing this out of uh, impulse or habit or am I doing it with the right mindfulness that my actions are deliberate and focused and purposeful? And that sort of aligns itself to the right concentration. Can I commit my efforts to a task so I am uh, staying the course and really doing it in a mindful uh, manner. And while that seems daunting to go through all eight of those things, it's really sort of a blink of the eye when I'm struggling with a tough decision. Does whatever way I'm leaning, yes or no, or following through with an action or delegating it elsewhere, you know, does it align with these values, view, intention, speech, action, livelihood, effort, mindfulness, and concentration? And if it does, then it aligns with what my sort of moral values are, principles are, and I think that has uh, given me some type of architecture to make more mindful, more rightful, more just decisions or, uh, you know, just really aligned myself in a, in a right direction. What advice would you give a smart, young, driven college student about to enter the real world? Focus more on the work and the craftsmanship of what you do than anything else. That's the advice I'd give. I'd, the reason I think I would, uh, I'd give that is that so often it's easy to get blinded or distracted by the 
illusion of doing something, right? Or the accolades that come with something. And you'll start to see that, especially at that age as you're graduating college and you're about to enter the workforce, that you'll start to see counterparts or peers or whomever really start to be celebrated for X, Y, or Z in their life. And it can be very, uh, not necessarily discouraging by comparison, but uh, you know, it, it sets the narrative, I think, for you to say, oh man, I wish I could, uh, could have that or I wish I could be doing what you're doing or achieving what you're achieving. And then by nature, you're, you're stuck in this sort of vacuum or you know, cycle of comparison. And you know, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and social media certainly don't help with that. But be focused on your own craft. Go out, pursue what you're trying to pursue, and become the very best at it. And don't don't really focus on um, whether the the positives or the praise that you get for it, or the negatives that you uh, uh, the haters or the trolls might give you. So just really focus on c- continuous improvement at your craftsmanship and at what you do in your vocation and your profession and get better every single day and keep your head down and keep focused on enjoying the process and enjoying the moment. And uh, at some point in time, you know, five, 10 years will go by and you'll be the very best at what you do. What are some bad recommendations you hear in your profession or area of expertise? One of the things I think people often uh, estout is that you need to follow a particular path, and that might be a, a typical uh, personality type that might be, I don't know, more favorable within strength conditioning or uh, a style of coaching that is more favorable. And I think that's often wrong. I think you need to find what your own personal strengths are and harness those strengths. I think there's room for wild extroverts in the weight room. I think there's room for introverts in the weight room. I think there's uh, there's a form of uh, a personality type that can be utilized when you know really positioned in its strengths. You know, I'm never going to make a fish try to climb a tree. I think uh, Einstein once said that. So I just think that it's uh, it's terrible advice to say that you need to do or approach the profession in a way that might not best be aligned to what your own personality strengths are. My friend Brett Bartholomew wrote a great book called uh, Conscious Coaching. And I again, I would recommend that you check it out and read it and understand what your archetype is and what your own personal coaching style is, and then really try to find organizations or positions where you are in the best possible uh, position to harness what your strengths are while you continually try to improve your own personal weaknesses. In the last five years, what have you become better at saying no to? Man, this is such a personal question because I was infamously terrible at uh, saying no to things. And what a consequence of that is that I would be constantly overextended. So rather than being a mile deep, I was always an inch deep, a mile wide with various tasks. And I could never really dive in deep into what I thought my uh, both my passion was and what my strengths were. So how have I gotten better at saying no? Well, I think um, it's really some 
some level of self-awareness and then understanding that you will not please everybody and that you're not supposed to please everybody and ultimately that you should try to position yourself to do your best work at what you're most talented in. Um, I talk about high strategic and low strategic tasks and there are are high value or low value tasks as well. And it is, if there's a task that only you can do, only you can do, then it's in the best interest that you can do that, right? If there's a task that 10 people in the organization can do, you included, then it's, it's not as valuable, you are not as valuable doing that task as you are the very task that only you can do. So it's really a self-awareness of what are your own strengths and weaknesses. And I think as I've gotten older and I've understood myself more, I have, uh, I've really tried to take a little ownership into selecting the various tasks I'm, I'm more talented in and positioning myself to do those and get delegating or allocating rather enough time for me to do those things. Uh, and as a consequence, I think a lot of the times I just try to communicate, hey, can, can you do X, Y, or Z? Hey, I really wish I could right now. I'm a little overextended with this project I'm focusing on. I wish I could help you out. Um, I'm sorry. You know, or something to that extent. But that is something that it took me many, many, many years to feel confident and comfortable enough to uh, politely say no and to deny, you know, things that that I can't do or or shouldn't be doing, um, or otherwise I would just be incredibly extended and burnt out if I try to do everything for everybody and be everything for everyone. So uh, be a little bit more strategic and a little bit more purposeful with your time. What new realizations? and or approaches helped. Do you have any other tips? You know, I think much like my similar response uh, just a moment ago, I think really just laying out the uh, the reason why you can't do X, Y, or Z. Um, so really, you know, in most of my correspondence with other people or, or whomever, it's that, hey, I'm really working on this right now and I can't help you, I'm a little overextended. Or, hey, I'm focusing on this project for the next three weeks. I wish I could help you out. Uh, try to ping me back uh, you know, after that three-week period. But really just setting out the expectation, this is what I'm doing right now. I wish I could help you, but I can't, is, uh, is a true sort of telling. And it is, you know, it's in, in all honesty, the reason why I can't do this. I'm focusing in on this goal right now. I wish I could help, but I can't. Um, and that's probably my, my biggest tip to people is, you know, start slow, nudge in and understand that it's okay to say no to some things. You're not going to hurt people's feelings. Uh, I think if you try to say yes to everybody all the time, you're more in a position to hurt people's feelings or to make people upset or whatever, because ultimately the quality of work that you do will suffer because ultimately you'll be the one that, uh, is being burned out or is, uh, is you know in a position where you're not doing the best work that you can do. When you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or have lost your focus temporarily, what do you do? Usually when I feel burned out on a task, it is a clear sign that I have uh, I've overextended myself. It's usually not a permanent thing. I, I wrote about this or I talked about this on a previous Decoding Excellence show, but uh 
when I feel overwhelmed, like I'm struggling and my, my wheels are spinning 100 miles per hour, but I'm not going anywhere, it's because I'm trying to juggle too many things. And what I need to do is, is to get those things out of my head, put it on paper, and really start to prioritize and make sort of a list, if you will, a mental or an analog version of Trello or a scrum board on a piece of paper and say, look, there's some things I need to put on hold. There's some things I need to put back in the backlog that I can't accomplish right now. And I need to communicate some people that this is going to go on hold for a while because I need to focus on these strategic things, X, Y, or Z, before I can move on or take more responsibility on. And, uh, and that's usually, that's when I start to feel sort of stuck, right? When you feel like, man, I'm doing, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a mile wide and an inch deep and I'm not making progress in anything. So it's sort of this snowfall or snowball effect, much like uh, Dave Ramsey and some of his financial advice. If you can take all of the various, let's say, effort that you have and put it in one task and you can knock that out, well, you no longer have that task. You can then take all those efforts and put it into a second task. But sometimes I think when you try to uh, um, allocate the, the finite amount of effort that you have or time that you have across 30 different tasks, you, you really won't make any progress in one. So it can very much feel like you're not moving. What questions do you ask yourself? I think any time that I'm stuck, I try to ask myself, am I focusing in on the right thing? Am I committing my efforts on the thing that's going to deliver maximal value for the time expenditure of my effort? And, uh, and usually when I do that, I can have some really honest self-reflection and, and, uh, and sometimes the answer is no, I'm not, I'm not focusing on the right thing. Or sometime it is, yeah, and that gives me, I think, the, the confidence to continue to commit the right effort into my craft or into that various task. Sometimes I, uh, I think I ask myself, you know, am, yeah, this is maybe more philosophical, but am I doing everything that I need to do to best position my athletes for success or my family? Am I doing the right things as a father uh, to help raise my children? Am I doing the right things as a husband to help support and love my wife? Am I doing the right things or committing the right effort to be the very best brother to uh, or the very best son for my parents. And uh, we're all, I think, various, we're all part of, uh, of many different teams and different organizations. And in some of those teams, you're going to be the team leader. Um, and some of those are going to be a teammate. And I just try to sort of, I guess, ask myself in what role am I in this sort of uh, in this relationship and what do I need to do to really help it blossom and help, uh, help it flourish. And that is, uh, that's just some, maybe two of the questions I ask myself. I really think, you know, I'm really more at this stage of my career, I'm more impressed with people that ask, um, very great questions that cut to deeper levels or deeper, um, self-reflection than I am necessarily in the answer that people provide. Um, and I think questions, especially the ones that are self-imposed and self-asked, are uh, really the catalyst for personal change and personal growth and and, uh, and really help, uh, I guess, align or help sort of orient yourself to 
uh, a path that is greater than what you are right now. So I am always impressed with the people that, that ask themselves very candid and hard hitting questions uh, about their life or about their day or about their efforts or about their attention. And that is something that I'm continually uh, amazed by. That's going to be a wrap for this episode of the Decoding Excellence show. Hopefully you've taken something away from it. Uh, I, I had a fun time. It was challenging, I think, to answer many of the questions that I ask my own guests on the Decoding Excellence show. And I'd be curious what it's going to look like if I were to re-answer these questions six to 12 months from now. Will I have the same answer just to these? Will I show some growth? Will I show some uh, some changes over the next year? But in reality, what I'm looking really forward to in 2019 is turning the microphone back around and asking some of these questions, as well as diving deep into the coaching journeys of other great practitioners, high-performance coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, and sports scientists across the country and really across the globe, is asking them some of these questions and getting to uh, getting to understand maybe the the tools, the tactics, the techniques, the beliefs, the mindset that these great coaches have when they go and they approach their day-to-day, their craft, and their own coaching journey. So I'm really excited about what the new year 2019 can bring to the Decoding Excellence show. And it's my hope to bring you some really fascinating and great episodes with some really talented high performers at what they do. As always, there's a number of different ways that you can support the show, right? The first thing is I have a monthly newsletter that goes out. It is located at adamringler.com forward slash newsletter. And like I said in the intro, it is chocked full of great articles, research papers, um, sort of daily notes, things I'm finding fascinating and experimenting with and being a human guinea pig with to try to change my own behaviors, my own habits, but ultimately to really try to improve my life and get something a little bit more meaningful out of it. So uh, head over to adamringler.com forward slash newsletter, pop in your email, and I promise you, you'll get the welcome email and you'll start receiving those monthly updates and you won't regret it. I'm not going to send you a bunch of spam messages or anything like that. I really think that you'll get a lot out of it and, uh, and check it out. I get questions every single time we publish either an article or the latest update to the Decoding Excellence show. And the question I often receive is, how do I support this show? Well, we have a new way that the audience and the crowd and everybody else here can support the Decoding Excellence show. Head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Adam Ringler. It's actually not buying me a coffee. I know the name sounds sort of uh, confusing or misleading, if you will. But what it is, is it's a, a platform, sort of a crowdsourcing way of, uh, of donating to the show. And the idea is that you would donate a coffee, right? $5, $4 or whatever to the Decoding Excellence show. And what we do with this is we turn the proceeds directly over to supporting the hosting of the Decoding Excellence show on whether it's on Spotify 
or on Simplecast or iTunes and elsewhere. And it, it supports the hosting fees for our website and the Decoding Excellence uh, Decoding Excellence show. So if you want to support the show, you can buy me a coffee. You can buy seven coffees. You buy yourself a coffee. Otherwise, please head over, check it out. It is buymeacoffee.com forward slash Adam Ringler. I'll include it in the show notes. And as always, thank you for supporting the Decoding Excellence show.